0: That's ixl.com slash be. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. This podcast is one of the podcasts that I recorded at FETC earlier this year. If you would like to have me come out and speak at your conference or at your district, please go to JethroJones.com and you can connect with me there. Thanks so much. Enjoy this interview. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a leading independent publisher with six decades of experience supporting teachers and school leaders. Learn about research based, easy to use professional development books for your entire faculty by visiting us.johncatbookshop.com. Welcome to Transformative Principal. This is episode 322, and I am excited to have Matt Paveo. Did I get it right? You got it right. That's good. Oh, hallelujah. I'm always worried about that every time. Matt Paveo from Burlingame School District in the Bay Area. Welcome, Matt. Happy to have you. Thank you. Thank. Happy to be here. Yeah. So we are at the FETC conference mm-hmm. right now, and I wanted to talk to you because you told about this great thing that you're doing with translating newsletters. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that in a minute, but first tell us a little bit about your school and about what you do, uh, what's going great there. Sure. Love to talk about my school. Well, we have a lot, lots of things going great at the school and the district. I have a, a
1: small district in in the Bay Area, like you said. Uh, we're right near the San Francisco airport. We uh, are a school of 338 students, K-5. Uh, we are a Title I school. Uh, we are also uh, a school that's very dedicated to innovation and very dedicated to uh, our community and being a real community school. All the school district, all the schools in, in Burlingame are, are committed to being Really, community schools. So, we're really tight knit community in our, in our district.
0: Good. And so, how many kids are at your school?
1: 338 yeah. today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we always say about 350, yeah. actually, but we just did the count the other day. So, 338. Yeah.
0: Cool. All right. So, how long have you been at? Um...
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I've been at the school for eight years. It's my eighth year at, at the school as the principal the whole time. Yeah. It's my twenty, I think, third year in education. I've done every, uh, teaching and then uh, and other administration jobs at a uh, middle school. And then,
0: and then this is my first principalship. Uh, but cool. First principalship and you stayed there for eight years. eight
1: years. First principalship I'm eight years, eight years,
0: man, that's good. So you did something right.
1: Yeah, we did all right. We're doing okay.
0: That's good. <laughs> so typically, uh, we, we don't see principals staying around that long. And what's the secret to your longevity of well, still being there?
1: Well, uh, yeah, no, I, well, the interesting thing about the school is I'm only the third principal they've had in something like, they reopened the school. It's, the school is a hundred years old this year. So it was built in 1919, but it was closed for some years in the, in, up until about, I think, I believe 1988. And since then we've only had three principals. So there was the principal there for 10 years and the one before me was 11 and then me. So I have, I'm the young still, I'm, I'm still the newbie uh, in that group. You know, it's such a wonderful job and a wonderful community that, I have such exciting people that I work with and really inspired teachers and really inspired district that's allows me to have this and community that, that allows me to have this. There is an expectation that we continue to push mm-hmm. towards uh, very innovative practices. You know, we're in the kind of the north end of the Silicon Valley. So a lot of our parents work in the Silicon Valley in jobs that require the creativity and the collaboration and the, you know, the critical thinking that we talk about, the communication. So they understand that's an important factor in what we have to teach. Um, so they give you this wide berth to kind of really push out into some things that aren't, you know, you must be on page 25 of the textbook today. And we are, and at the same time, you know, I think we're a good example to other districts in that we have a wide range of students. You know, we have students of all socioeconomic backgrounds. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, we have 27 different languages at the school. That's typical actually for our area. You know, our, we have a very diverse population and in that, We were still able to achieve at high, high levels of the typical, if you want to call them that, um, academic backgrounds, while at the same time um, really uh, pushing our innovative practices into things like today where we're looking at podcasting or we're we're doing a lot of creative work with presentations. And um,
0: so a lot of creative creativity and and design thinking and things like that. Yeah, that's very cool. So um, I wonder how do you... One of the previous guests we've had on is uh, Katie Kinneman, who mm-hmm. is a, who was a principal in uh, Palo Alto. Oh, okay, and so she talked about this idea of dealing with parents who are uh, really uh, creative and dedicated and focused themselves, mm-hmm. and how sometimes you know we have helicopter parents, but then there's this other set of parents who are who are innovators themselves. How do you how do you deal with that? You said a little bit that you try to be innovative, but any other yeah. advice on dealing with? that
1: my advice. my advice would be one is to reach out to them a lot of the times we have this shutdown method of like you you stay on your side of the fence and i'll stay on my side of the fence right
0: I'll stay in the, your I'll lane <laughs>
1: yeah. um, but at roosevelt and in burlingame we definitely encourage parent participation so a lot of the ideas we have come from parent groups you know you meet with them after school and and or at in the evenings and if they're willing to give their time to you and then you can listen to their great ideas and you can take that and put the educator's lens at the same time possibly because not even possibly because of the principles that came before me there was this foundation of real partnership with the parents that I just inherited it I've worked hard to keep that going but it's always been part of our culture at the school and in the district that there's a real partnership and certainly there are helicopter parents in all walks but even we And we don't, I wouldn't say we even have, I can't name any that we would have even at my site, but we've always really valued our partnership with the parents and and they valued our professionalism. And it's real, really a special kind of place in that respect.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. One of my superintendents uh, used to say that your chapter one in a school is not that school's chapter one. Yep, exactly. And so you you highlighted that perfectly with the foundation that those mm-hmm. previous principals built that, you know. But the school built. What did you say? A hundred years ago?
1: It's hundred years. Yeah, this year. Well, nineteen nineteen is actually be passed over, but nineteen nineteen we're gonna have the celebration this year.
0: So you're on chapter. School's on chapter one hundred, mm-hmm. and you're only on your chapter eight, which mm-hmm. is you know you came in at chapter ninety two, and that yeah. that yeah. idea yeah. of like there's already so much that's been done yeah. leading up to this. There's there's a lot of power in recognizing that and valuing that and and caring about that, like exactly.
1: you said. Yeah, exactly right. It's real, and it's a real balancing between honoring what was before you and then building, you know, continue to build. And so we've tried to do that in the eight years I've been there and, and it's been successful.
0: Yeah. That's very cool. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, 27 yeah. different languages that yes. your kids speak. That's amazing. And oh yeah, definitely a challenge. The superintendent that actually inspired me to get into education was in Orange County, California. And they had, a huge number of languages at their school. And I was just dumbfounded at how they could operate with that many. And you shared that you deal with newsletters in a really creative way. So can you talk about that? Sure. Uh, Let me
1: preface a little bit. So we have this um, giant wall (laughs) at our school that we painted this mural on a while back for a lot of different reasons. We had an event, an unfortunate event of some graffiti that we, and so, and this speaks to what our parents are like as well, that we, you know, typically we just cross out the graffiti move on our day but the parents wanted to do more we did that got it down immediately and then went about our day and then went to say no we want to express who we are and part of that is our 27 languages that we spoke at the time i think it was 24 we've grown yeah um so we built this wall that said we are roosevelt yeah it's my roosevelt elementary is my school and and so we um and then we wrote in every different language on the wall uh we are roosevelt in that language oh cool so if you had someone who is speaking tagalog it's up there. If you have Russian, it's up there, Chinese, Portuguese. And after, when you see it, and I look at it almost every day when we come in, it's really keeps you focused. So one of the parts we were having struggles with, we, you know, we have, we are words about night where we celebrate all the cultures, but we weren't getting active participation from all our parents. And one of the the ideas was, well, we need a translation service Mm -hmm. to translate our newsletters. And we went through that and there's a price to that. And then we thought, well, we have experts right here in the school, so mm-hmm. we should have an audio, t- audio translation by our students um, using podcasts. We'll just attach it right to a link on our newsletters. And we, so what we do is we have, so we get, we put it out to the parents and the, t- the teachers in the fifth grade, our students in the fifth grade come and help us translate our, our newsletter. And so they would show up our newsletters go out on Thursdays. They would show up on Tuesdays. I would give them kind of, these are the highlights. They would take it home. They would write it out with their parents. And then they would come. So we had, uh, the first year we had Japanese and Portuguese and Japanese, Portuguese, Spanish, and not Russian, but I'm forgetting. We had one more. And we've now since expanded to Turkish and we have Mandarin Chinese now. Um, so we're continue- we don't have all 27 right now, but it's, it's powerful for lots of reasons. If you just take out even the the part that these these students feel valued, which is actually the number one piece um, there's a technical aspect to it that the kids are learning how to do podcasting there's a some of these kids knew how to speak the language they didn 't necessarily know how to write it out so they 're even learning their own language, which is how to their parents' language how to write it out
0: which and that 's an important part of literacy as well One of the people that i 've learned from i can 't remember who it is now, but they said something about how. Families go through this phase when they come to America that the kids who are the children speak the language of the parents, but they want to push off that culture and don't want to be defined by that. Oh, yeah. And so they avoid speaking their family's language. Right. And then their kids are the ones who are like, wait, my grandparents don't speak uh, any uh, English. Yeah. I want to communicate with them and know about my heritage. And so they like go the opposite way and want to right. want to do everything with that. So that's a really powerful way to yes build that bond between the students and where they're from and have some pride about it.
1: Well, and you, you just bring up something that's just my um, my wife's family comes from China uh, two generations ago. Her grandmother came mm-hmm. from China and who just passed at 98 years old. Wow. And one of the things that uh, her uncle brought up at the thing was even he had a commute. There was always a communication issue uh-huh. with them and, and it was powerful. And so, the other thing that we say is these and and you just reminded me of another thing that we do with students of second, their second language students is we honor them when they when they do learn English when they do uh, redesignate into as English learners and we have a full Berlin game we had a hundred and some odd students this year that redesignated and we have celebration we have medals and things like that but when we do it in front of the school we always talk about how special these students are because of immigration stories like that that at some point during the the life of a family someone is brave enough to learn english it was with my my grandfather was the first one and then you see how that then expands out so if we can hold on to because you're right people then give up the language which isn't what necessarily what we want
0: well and it's so amazing to be able to speak two languages right and to be able to communicate in more than just one it for sure is oh it's a superpower. Yeah. And in this
1: world and what we're talking about in our students all the time is, you know, the flattening of the world and how we need to be able to now cross-culturally talk to people. And if you know about other cultures, you all of a sudden have a leg up where you thought it was something that was pulling you down. It's actually going to lift you
0: up in the new economy or the new world. Well, and just in having empathy for other people as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, for sure. So these kids who are, who are going home and translating this, that's building the bond with their parents. That's um, helping strengthen their language skills in their native language and in English. Right. And then having them record it, strengthening and highlighting the gifts that they already have of speaking that other language and gives them a way to to be recognized for that. And we often think of recognition like you get a plaque or participation trophy, right? But but recognition is really just respecting and honoring the things right. that they bring with them.
1: Well, and we do, and so, and with our translators, they have a, a place where they become, I hope, elevated at the school because yeah. we do acknowledge them at our <laughs> assemblies. He's, these people are doing this translation for you guys, so yeah. more, so the parents will know it's out there. Yeah, um, but also to honor them for doing the work.
0: Yeah, and so. you know, some people may balk at the idea of having kids do translation when, when you maybe could or should do um, a paid translation translation service right but i know how expensive it is to to pay for translation and because it's difficult and it's hard to do um so you're also setting these kids up for a future job role in the future which is awesome right
1: and some of these kids come in we had a student last year who could do the portuguese like Mm -hmm. i give it to you you do it others need to take it home and write it down and really. this guy was right and and he was having struggles in other areas but you could see if you go in this route you are you are head, you know, head and shoulders above the rest of the the translators that we have at the school. Because
0: yeah, for sure. So in in my schools, I've been principal where there are other languages, not twenty seven. Mm-hmm. But when I was a principal of an elementary school in Utah, or assistant principal there. <laughs> I learned how to say your son was fighting at recess (laughs) because that was what I was dealing with all the time was these kids fighting. And so I learned how to say that. So I would say your son was fighting to make sure the parent got the message. And then I would hand the phone over to the kid and let them just hash it out with their, with their parents. And, you know, these kids are totally fluent in their in Spanish, which is the language I was talking about. Right. And it was amazing to see how uh, the kid who wouldn't say anything to me or in class mm-hmm. was having full on conversations. And I right. I always thought, how can I get this kid to to actually speak and not be so shy? And and this is one of those ways that you can bring these kids out of their shells and and make it so they don't have to be embarrassed about it.
1: Oh, Sure. Sure. I mean, if I was told, you know, you need to go, you're going to be sitting in a classroom of all Spanish speakers and they'll start yeah. speaking Spanish. I, <laughs> I
0: wouldn't, wouldn't be either. participating.
1: Yeah. I know a little bit of Spanish, yeah. but I wouldn't be participating. And it's a similar, similar sort of thing. Right. you got to have a pretty
0: in their shoes on that, on those respects. You yeah. know, it's pretty brave kids. So I think that this, this, way that you're handling this particular problem, I really wanted to talk to you on the podcast because I want other people to hear about sure. that. And yeah. and there's so many ways that we can use the strengths of the people that we have in front of us to do amazing things. It's, it's
1: one of those real low floor, high ceilings. Like it's very easy to do and you get tons out of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and what I love about it is that because it's low floor high ceiling, mm-hmm. you have so many opportunities to to spread the wealth and that it's not just one kid and oh, yeah. so you could rotate through different families doing it, you could stick with one family that can handle yeah. it or right. or whatever and I think that that approach is really Really powerful. Yeah. So what else are you doing at Roosevelt that you think is awesome?
1: Oh, uh, well, one of the things we're really proud of is we have a full, and we talk about communication in this and we have a, we're very dedicated to giving our students the skills to communicate with others. We have this uh, thought that, you know, and, and I know a lot of schools are working on design process and and, that, and it's fantastic. And c- certainly we are too. And getting kids to be creative problem solvers and things like this. All right our philosophy is that it's not an idea unless you can share it with someone and get them to understand your idea. So how do we do that? Well, we, so we worked with a company in the Silicon Valley and there's a long story about how we came about with this, but it's called Duarte Design. Uh, yeah, the Silicon Valley and she, Nancy Duarte and her husband, Mark started this company and they work on giving high powered CEOs the skills to give presentations They were going to work with the college level students. I knew someone at the company. We kind of worked it out so that they could came and work to elementary
0: school. So now,
1: (laughs) yeah, it was very, yeah, yeah, it's been fantastic. They've been working with us for six years now, um, which is interesting because we've gone through a full cycle now from kindergarten all the way to fifth grade. They don't know any different. So this this year, so every year our fifth graders give what we call our Teddy Talks. We're Teddy Roosevelt Elementary School. So we give our Teddy Talks at the end of the year and they give a presentation in front of a room full of about 200 people uh, we invite local celebrities, our local congresspeople and things like that to come and visit. And they stand up there and give about a five-minute presentation in a TED, Ted Talks-type format about an idea that they've had. And they're they're trying to move people for it. And you, you'd you be heart pressed to find people at the conference today, which is a great conference, that give better presentations than these kids.
0: Yeah, that's cool. 10
1: years old. It's fantastic. And it's transformative in how they even view themselves. Yeah. Um, so what we do, that's one thing we're very proud of is our Teddy Talks program.
0: John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to see the latest publications with these exciting ideas, creating bottom-up school transformation, promoting engagement by challenging the extrovert ideal, and how to improve formal and informal continuous learning opportunities for teachers. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in the show notes at org. So it's it's really fascinating to hear you talk about this because the, the idea of adults is that we're all afraid to speak in public, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. And so – adding in this ability for young kids to be able to do that really shatters this fear that like 90% of adults have that doesn't need to exist. And it's so powerful to be able to share your own story. And I love what you said. That's not an idea unless you can share it. That's beautiful.
1: And what I'll tell you that is not only is it hard for adults to give presentations, is that they learn about giving presentations from watching other people that don't know how to give presentations. So it's perpetuating this bad (laughs) presentations that you sit through. It all comes from our need to do this comes from me walking into a classroom and seeing my a third grade teacher suffering while her, ch- her kids were up there giving presentations that were boring and uninspiring. And and it was typical of everything I'd seen in all my years of education. And I said, there has to be a better way. And we went and found a better way. So we're hoping that we're changing uh, the way. Yeah. And and again, in this age where you're going to need to be able to get your ideas out there, we think we're giving our students a real
0: s- skill that they're going to need. Yeah. Well, that is that is awesome. So what are the, the keys, and you don't have to go into all of it, obviously, but what are the keys to good presentations that the kids understand that adults need to know as well?
1: Sure. The number one is that the audience is first, meaning it's not about you, it's about your audience. What do they need? You give it to them. The second is if it's a good presentation, it vacillates between what is now and what will be. So this is what your life is now, but if you listen to my ideas... This is what it will be and it'll be much better. And you almost the audience should almost feel like they're going on a roller coaster ride where it's like, oh, I don't know about this. Oh, it's gonna be great. Oh, I don't know about this. Oh, it's gonna be great. And then we have a few other things like how to do an introduction and how to finish it off with um what Dancy Dorite calls something they'll always remember or your star moments, S-T-A-R, something they'll always remember. And so we try to do that. And there's a few other and then the other main probably thing is how they do their slides. So we do they do present with slides and they have to control you know, a PowerPoint presentation or a Google Slides presentation. But there's things that we put in that, like lots of slides are too busy or there should only be five words on a slide or you should be able to read it in three seconds and understand it. It ruins you from going to other presentations. Because <laughs> yeah, you sit there and no go, oh, thing. that's a terrible slide. And there's another teacher that I have sometimes. So if, if I ever see you getting a, a presentation, I take out my phone and take a picture of the slide. Yeah, I might be sending it to my another teacher that I always send. Look at this slide. <laughs> Add that to the collection. But it has been wonderful this, for the six years that we've been doing this, the kids just, they get it. And you start to see changes now over time. Cause we check in with the middle school and things like that. And I, you
0: know. Yeah, that's very cool. So I was, I was talking to my daughter and in our church, so my daughter's 12 in our church, the kids do teaching mm-hmm. of their peers. And we were talking about okay. this idea of the audience comes first. And I said, it all depends on what your, your class is, how they're interacting with what you're doing. And if they look bored, they probably are. And so you need to do something different yeah. and it has to be what they actually need. You can't just say, here's what I want to talk about and only yeah. talk about that because then they're going to be yeah. bored and tune out and, and not care about what you're saying.
1: You're totally right. It also comes from the planning of the presentation. Like our students, oftentimes, it's the last, you know, you'll do a project. The presentation is the last day. Go do your project. Now I want a presentation. Yeah. Exactly. They're doing the work on the presentation the whole time they're doing the research and the project. And so they're laying out their slides using Post-its and they're, um, talking about what questions the audience might have they 're drawing pictures of the audience who's going to be sitting there watching me, so they 're considering it all the time. Well, if you you know read the book uh, Re- Resonate by Nancy Duarte. They're the plug yeah.
0: for Nancy and her yeah. company. Well, when you said that, I knew that I had, had read something by her and I could oh. not place it, okay. but I believe it's resonating. Yeah, and, yeah. and so, yeah, I knew that name when you said it. She has several it. books out, but, Yeah. Uh,
1: that's the, the cornerstone, yeah, of think. Very Slidology
0: cool. is another one. But. Yeah, Slidology. That's the other one. Yeah. Okay, name. yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So, so she works, we work with her. That, well, that's awesome. Yeah, I guess that's one of the benefits of being in Silicon Valley. It, it is. <laughs> we,
1: have, we have been very fortunate with that one,
0: and yeah. they've been very, very uh, nice to us. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that's very cool. So the last question that I ask uh, everybody on my podcast is: What is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you?
1: Okay, I would say just get into classrooms and talk to teachers, and really not only have the expectation that they'll keep pushing their practice, but also have the trust. They need to have trust with you that you will back them if they're going to try if they're going to try something new. We you know oftentimes we have teachers that, and it's always an easy default. Well, I'll get in trouble if I do that. At Roosevelt, you know, we don't try to get in trouble, but, uh, we certainly, we always kind of have an explanation as to why we're doing something. And that's easy for me to then go tell my people, you know, my superintendent, Hey, we're going to try this out, um, see how it goes, or we're trying this out and we're going to see how it goes. But we want brave leaders or brave uh, teachers. So we need to be brave leaders. So I would get, get into, to, uh, classrooms as much as possible. My number one,
0: go talk to teachers. Yeah, and, and this goes back to things that you've hinted at before, that it's about having that connection with them so that the things that they're doing can be valued right. regardless of where they're at. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, Matt, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle. Thank you. It was fun. Yeah, and this was episode 322, so you can go to uh, transformativeprinciple.org slash episode 322 and get any of the things that we talked about. And thanks again, Matt, for being part of it. Thanks, Jethro. My pleasure. Hey, this is Jethro. Thanks so much for listening to that episode of Transformative Principle. I hope that you enjoyed it. And I want to remind you, I am going out on my own. So I'm looking for opportunities to help schools implement things that are related to student-driven learning. So if you'd like to work with me, please go to jethrojones.com and you'll be able to enter your information there. and We can schedule a chat to talk and figure out how we can help Move kids forward and be in control of their own learning. Thanks so much. That's JethroJones.com. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change with professional development that is research based and rigorous yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find more information on bulk orders or learn much more in our show notes at transformativeprincipal.org. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers' time, improve students' performance on state assessments,